evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm coming to you about half an hour after the game. The Mavericks beat the Warriors 141 to 121. Now, I'm coming to you tonight with a brand new guest and a little known fact at Mavs Moneyball. I have two bosses. One of them uh, is Rebecca, who you all know. She's our editor-in-chief. The other boss uh, is in charge of all of SB Nation's podcasts. His name is John Gennaro. John happens to be married to Rebecca, so my bosses are married. That's phenomenal. Uh, John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good after that introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's hop right into it. Um, great game. Uh, what what are, what are your, you know, your positive takeaways? What did you see tonight? Um, my, my main positive takeaway, and this is just after not seeing Luca for four games and then seeing him, uh, in the, the game against the Spurs look a, a little rusty, uh, in that Luca looked back to form. Uh, he was, you know, anytime they needed him to knock down a shot, he knocked down a shot. Anytime they needed him to get to the basket, he got to the basket. Um, his defense was lazy, but they won by 20 points. So who cares? Uh, my 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 biggest most positive takeaway is once again Luca showed those skills that that make you go like this is not a twenty year old kid this is one of the four best players in the NBA. Yeah, he was really unfair. So for anybody that didn't see the game and hasn't checked the box score, he had his ninth triple double of the year, thirty one points, twelve rebounds, and fifteen assists. And honestly, he could have had like twenty assists tonight. He was just like like the ball was on a string for him. It was really unfair at times. Uh, he only had three turnovers, which is pretty, pretty ridiculous for how much he had the ball. I would say the thing that I really liked uh, was, and, and you know, I didn't really think about this until I really pulled back from the game. Was that was arguably the ideal Chris Stapps Porzingis game? Uh, he only finished with 18 points and seven rebounds. He had five turnovers because he was getting a little sloppy with the ball in the first half, trying to dribble, trying to post up, basically trying to do the stuff that he's not great at right now. Maybe he'll round into shape about that. We've all talked about this before. But he was four for nine from three. He only shot three shot uh, shots inside the arc. And, you know, it, it's exactly the kind of game that that where he, you know, might not have the greatest statistical, you know, impact in the box score, but I guarantee you the advanced stats in this game with Porzingis will show that he was on the floor whenever they blew the game open in the third just because of his threat to shoot and his threat to score. He was I, – I thought he was outstanding. He also had four blocks. So, you know, four made threes and four blocks is – like I understand people want to talk about his contract. Oh, he's not doing enough, yada, yada, yada. I don't, I don't really care about that. The Mavericks are 21 and 10, and he's a big reason why. Yeah, after listening to the the last post game show with you and Josh, uh, and and both of you kind of in agreement that at some point Porzingis is going to have like an easy forty point game out of nowhere, I, I was paying a lot of attention to the shots that he took, and I couldn't find a bad one. Right. Like every time he touched the ball and went up, there was no one anywhere near him. They were all wide open shots. Most of them were wide open threes. And there's really no reason why he shouldn't make more of those, except for the fact that he's returning from two years off of basketball. So he played a very good game. He's a very good player and he's getting better almost every game. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, this is the sort of game where you can draw like a million positive things from it. You know, DeLon Wright was basically unstoppable in 22 minutes. He had 13 points. He hit six or seven shots, four assists, three steals, three rebounds, like just a stat stuffing you know, performance. There was uh this might be my favorite box score line of the night. 
Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 25 points and one assist. He had no and one turnover. He had no other statistical contributions. Just just like the most Tim Hardaway Jr. game in existence. I was I was delighted watching him shoot. He actually hit six of eight three pointers. Was there uh, was there anything else that really like stood out to you? You could do basically an entire post game episode just talking about three point shots for the mm. both Mavericks and the Warriors. Because uh, if you if you look, both teams shot the three about the same. Like Mavs ended up at forty seven percent, Warriors ended up at forty six percent, but the Mavs took fifty one of them, and the Warriors only took thirty nine. Like that's that's part of the reason why the Mavericks, you know, won this game and continue to win games is they just have no fear in in shooting significantly more threes than the other team. But also just going through the Mavericks uh, shooters for this game, like. Porzingis was four of nine. Finney Smith was one of one. Luca's five of eight. Hardaway Jr. six of eight. Let's add in Maxi was two of three, and Steph Curry was four of eleven. Like, ignore the Jalen Brunson zero for one, the Boban zero for two, the Justin Jackson one of five, which does need to be talked about in a very positive. Yeah. Um, th- this team was pretty well over fifty percent shooting from three this game, and you know. 51 three-point attempts when you're over 50% is almost going to get you a win every time. I went back and counted in the uh, in the box score and the play-by-play. The Mavericks missed eight three-pointers in the fourth quarter alone. So you back those out, they're basically 24 of 43, which is hysterical. Um, you know, it, they were three away from the, the NBA record is 27 threes, which the Rockets did uh, late in April of last year. This is, you know, this is how the Mavericks, like they're going to live and die by this kind of shot. So it's, it, you know, they're getting some, some kind of outlier performances from some guys, I believe. But if you're going to shoot, you know, more than half your shots from beyond the arc, they're going, you know, they're just going to, they're going to win. Cause you, you had like Luca is basically the special sauce, which makes it work. But during his absence, they went uh, two and three. Is that right? Yeah. They beat the, the Sixers and they beat the, the Bucks in no small part because of the way this offense is structured. So, so you know, there's there's obviously a lot of, of you know, really positive stuff to take away from this game, even though it's a blowout. Um, what, you know, did you see anything that was kind of like, you wouldn't call it negative in a 20-point blowout, but was there anything that, that you know, you would, like, that kind of concerns you, I, I would guess, in this game? You know, any negative takeaways? Um, I'm not going to call them concerns, but – uh Luca's Luca's effort on defense um particularly in the first half when this was still a close game uh is just like there's there's just a part of me that you know in a close game to see a guy just look at his player out standing in the corner wide open with the ball in his hands making zero attempts to close out that just makes me you know physically ill even though like I know there's like a rhyme or reason towards it and like LeBron has been doing that forever, and James Harden has been doing that mostly forever. And these are some of the best basketball players in the league, and they can mostly turn it on in the playoffs or when it really matters. So I shouldn't care that much, but it's just hard to watch. And then, yeah. um, you, you know, I, I was very interested by the fact that Justin Jackson seemed to reclaim his minutes from Ryan Brokoff. He got 21 minutes in this game. Uh, he was definitely trying to make uh, enough of a positive mark to to win those minutes back permanently, and he was just awful. Like he he got some rebounds, but he he couldn't shoot. He couldn't even get layups to go in. 
um, by and large, Justin Jackson, you know, uh, opportunity missed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're the Luca thing I think is very important. I've shied away from too much Luca criticism just because it feels kind of strange when they're winning games, but you're right. And it's going to cost them at some point. It has cost them at least one game this season. And I don't understand why he continues to bark after these non-calls. And he does. He barks at the ref and he gives up some points. And, and it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. And Jackson was actually going to be my thing too. Jackson is a bad basketball player. He is the, he is the, the lightest, shortest six foot nine, 220 pound player I've ever seen uh, getting, you know, the Mavericks are getting bullied by Marquise Chris, who is not an NBA quality basketball player. He is a goon who doesn't understand how to play basketball um and and you know jackson there's one play in the end of the first half or start of the second where he was posting up brunson and jackson had the opportunity to come over and help and instead of you know basically just like putting his hands up in the air and trying to be a you know some sort of impediment he went for a steal which you know chris pulled the ball right through and then scored an easy layup like i don't understand why why the mavericks keep going to jackson this is why the Kings were so happy to be rid of him, uh, Kings fans at least. He is a bundle of talent and features that cannot put it together consistently. I'm sure if he stays with the Mavericks, he's actually going to have, you know, some sort of run again. He he He's kind of known for this four to five game stretches where he shoots real well or does something real well. But, you know, I just I don't like watching him play. He is part of why their offense goes stagnant. He is is part of of just a lot of the the little mistakes, which long term the Mavericks aren't going to be able to afford. Yeah, the one thing that I, I've liked about him, uh, the the positive that I've seen from him this year when he is on the court is that he's actually pretty good at, at back cuts, and in in so much that like when the ball gets in his hands, it's up and in the rim within like a millisecond. Like that's sure. a weird skill that I don't see a lot of guys that are, you know, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, able to get the ball bounce and get the ball out of their hands so quickly. And so when he's back cutting and he's playing with someone like Luca who can find him the ball and then boom, it's right up in the hoop. That's valuable. But the way that he plays most of the time is terrible in that he plays like a wing player uh, and just kind of sits on the outside. And, and right now the shooting is not making that uh, an effective decision. Well, that's about all I have for this. You know, it's really fun to to record and watch a blowout. This was the Mavericks' uh, third third game over 140 this season, and that actually they, they they've scored and they have you know of their top ten scoring games all time as a franchise. The Mavericks have have had three of those games this season, uh, which is pretty interesting to me. And you know, they still have 50 games left. I'm I'm really, you know, this was a game where they didn't score more than four points in the final seven minutes, which is kind of odd. And and I I just I really wonder what's gonna happen because they're gonna get one of these games where they need to score a ton of points. And I'm wondering if they might even be able to hang 150. It's just kind of one of those silly things I'm gonna keep an eye on. Do you have anything else before we get out of here? I have a, a quick question for you because uh I noticed that the Mavericks went 21 of 21 from the free throw line, which seems uh, it, it not, you know, incredibly rare, but somewhat rare. Um, and I, I went into this season, you know, really keeping an eye on, on Lucas free throw shooting in particular and hoping that it got better. And, and obviously Porzingis' free throw shooting has not been where it was previously. 
So that kind of performance really stands out. And it makes me wonder, is there really anyone on this roster right now that you would be afraid of going to the free throw line? Like you're, you're, you're Rick Carlisle and you're like, Oh God, we need to. And you know, is it Boban? Is Boban the guy you're worried about at the free throw line? Good question. I would say at the moment it's actually Dwight Powell. Uh, and then followed by Chris Stapps for Zingas. Just, just looking at the, the statistical profile of the team and shooting, the free throw stuff is really interesting where, you know, Brunson, uh, Jackson, Porzingis, Finney Smith are all shooting under uh, 76%, which, you know, those are still good percentages. Porzingis is really off his average. Uh, Powell shooting 63%. Jeez, I didn't even realize it was quite that bad. Um, yeah, but you know, the, they have specialty coaches for this sort of thing. I feel they've improved their free throw shooting percentage as the season's gone along. I could be making that up, but I do know they had some real struggles in the fourth quarter. So that's that's about the closest, you know, thing I could I could figure with a concern. Uh, but you know, their their best free throw shooters are you know, Kleb is shooting a whopping 89% from the line, Delon Wright 86. Uh, Luca's down to right at about 80, just a hair under 80, which I, I just can't help but think that that'll go up as the season goes along. So, you know, a little bit of a little bit of both for to answer your question. There's a few guys I'm worried about and a lot that I'm not. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good group to have. I was interested by the the two technical fouls. Um, Seth Curry shot the first one, made it, and when he was still on the court, Porzingis shot the second one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought that was a weird thing that Rick was like, "All right, even though Seth made the first one and he's obviously the best free throw shooter, like let's see what KP does in this situation." Yeah, I really think he does. I think he's all about getting Porzingis to see the ball go through the rim. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice that they started the first and second half with two straight plays in, in each half to get Porzingis looks. Uh, he just needs to see the ball go down, and then he, it, it tends to open up and settle down his game. Problem is, he doesn't ever seem to be able to make his first shot. Uh, so, you know, like a cheap one like a free throw, I think, really settles him down. I think at least that's the, the psychology behind it. I have no idea if it actually works. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Well, thank you for hopping on tonight. I appreciate it. It is a, uh, you know, it's one of these uh, weird timed games. You're out there on the West Coast. I'm all the way out here in the East, so I appreciate you hopping on with me tonight. I will try to have you back on in the uh, future. Of course, buddy. Happy to do it anytime. All right, guys. This has been Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball After Dark with my guest, John Gennaro, and I will see everyone out on the internet this week. Everybody have a good night. (laughs) 